Hi. Hi. Good morning. Uh, this is Eli. This is a, a podcast I'm recording about craft, all of the, all the things I've learned about making things, and I think that I should share with you. And you are getting ready to take a nap, and <laughs> you're relaxing your eyes closed, you're ready to do a snooze, uh, I'm to talk to you about cold working glass today, I've um, been pretty excited about this one, uh, I've also been feeling really bad about my cast iron episode, I feel like I didn't really, um, I feel like I could have been more linear with my thought pattern on that one, so hopefully it's good for your snooze. driving right now. It's very foggy. Foggy Bay Area morning. I'm heading south out of Oakland towards Palo Alto. Going to teach a class on glass blowing. And then this evening I have some cold working to do. Somebody needs some help getting some canape 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 is that how you say it canape tray glass things um, in the shape of california beautiful objects and they need uh, an edge a bottom edge on them ground all perfect and flat so that they sit flat and you can't tell they have anything's been done to it. It's the fun of cold working. It's often done on the bottom of glass. Very magic. Um, I've been getting reports from people that they really are having great naps listening to this podcast. I don't think I could wish for anything better. I'm a little nervous now. Um, now that people have actually started listening. Hi, Mom. My mom's listening. My friend's listening. I think I imagined that people might listen, but I didn't imagine. I didn't really imagine. It was always an abstract concept. And now, uh, now I can picture you. So thank you for being here with me through this hilarious process. And for focusing on good things like sleep we got the furnace plumbed in my shoulders really sore from putting together all this gas line I think every time I work on really big gas line like two inch inch and three quarter pipe using the big pipe wrenches I try to do it in a good position. I try to be careful about how I hold things, but I always end up with like reefing it too hard and my shoulders and my neck go all weird. Uh, So I think I need to focus on my way I do it and then also probably need to like work out and get big enormous shoulders even more enormous Um, really pack on the pounds been trying to stay up on the proteins I made myself an enormous steak the other night and I was too pooped to eat it so I just went to bed and then it was really delicious the next day and I've got some more tonight I can eat but last night I made some tuna, perfectly seared ahi tuna. I, I took it out of the freezer, right to the pan, right to my hot cast iron pan. And I seared it on both sides. And it was perfectly pink and just warm in the middle. And nice and crispy on the outside. Just 
just olive oil. <laughs> so, man. Wow. That is delicious with rice. So I got some rice, tuna, some carrots for lunch. And then I think I'll be able to double down on that snack on the way home from Palo Alto. Well, not on the way home, on the way back to Oakland. And then to the cold shop where it's time to flatten these large canapé trays for delicious snacks that somebody else is going to eat. Got to get those done. It's kind of a somebody called with an emergency that needed help, so I was even thinking I might take this weekend off, but then I got called to work on the week on the weekdays, the weekend days to teach a class and then in the night to do cold working. I really love cold working. Um, now Cold working is what we refer to when we're talking about grinding and polishing glass. And the reason we call it cold work is because it's cold and it's work. (laughs) It's my favorite cold working joke. Um, And the deal is that... (laughs) You can grind glass using a couple different substances. Old fashioned would be using stone wheels, and it's a, a silicone carbide base. And silicone carbide is a is a common grit um, that you can also use. You could get grit like from your masonry supply people um, in a certain, sometimes it just kind of is like fine, extra fine, coarse, but sometimes it's like the number, you know, 300, 200, 100, um, and that is, refers to the size of the grit, or 300 being smaller, 300 parts per square inch, as opposed to 100 parts per square inch, um, if you were to lay them all out perfectly and count each one of them, which you might want to do you're going to take a nap and so the grit if you were old fashioned you might have a stone wheel it might just be a stone made out of a you know just actual stone with that would be a a hard silica stone Um, and then you would put that onto a machine that would turn it around really fast you could grind the glass with that now, these days, what we generally use are these wheel, these, well, there's wheels, there's flat wheels, and there's vertical wheels. And they come impregnated with, you can get them either a resin-based, polymer-based, with, impregnated with, little diamonds tiny diamonds or a chromium based it's like a metal looks like looks like shiny chrome with little speckles in it Uh, or there is a it's a um, bronze and ceramic impregnated matrix and so it's like a harder metal looks like brass um, and they're actually like it's supposedly it's actually some sort of like clay that's actually baked almost like a precious metal clay um, so rather than actually poured it's like this like matrix of metal and diamonds and then it's baked at a super high temp that makes it super hard um, and those those are the really fancy ones then there's like the chromium stuff that are like those are kind of like middle of the road then there's the polymer resin ones 
And those are actually being used way more now, but they still, they don't last as long. They kind of get, they like, they're more consumable. But they, because they're so cheap, they're more commonly used. Um, so you have similar tools that you would have in other shops where you grind things like um, belt sanders, belt wheels, we call them. Uh, flat wheels which is a horizontal wheel a large flat disc and those are often it's a steel plate and then you put a, a, a magnetic plate on top of it that has that impregnated those are usually usually they're the, the chrome or the resin based um, those don't I don't I don't can't think of those in the fancy bronze metal impregnated ones um, so those are like kind of a little bit flexible magnetic just like a magnet like you put on your fridge but it's got some sandy paper fancy sandy paper on it and you're going to want to run water on all this stuff that's why it's cold um, and the water is a lubricant and a cooling device um, in the old-fashioned days, you would have a flat wheel with grit on it, and you would have a grit slurry that you could drip onto it uh, and then grind the glass with that grit slurry. <coughs> big flat needle or you might even have a stone wheel a large big flat stone wheel um, and then in the vertical wheels are usually so it's when it's a vertical wheel it's often referred to as a lathe which is a little confusing because if you know what a lathe generally is it's it's an object that you would clamp your um, the object that you want to alter, you would put that into the lathe and it would spin that around. Where in this case, we're actually putting the tool in the lathe. And really, it's just on a spindle, much like a regular. <clears throat> in a wood shop or a metal shop, <clears throat> you might refer to this as a bench grinder. But glass shops, they never call them bench grinders. Even though the dang thing is definitely a bench grinder. <laughs> and if it gets really small, then you don't call it a lathe. Or maybe you call it an engraving lathe. Um, an engraving wheel or engraving lathe. Um, definitely don't call it a bench grinder. So you can tell if somebody's really grumpy that they call it, they, they make sure to call it a lathe or an engraving lathe. And they... Um, and so then you're going you're gonna to grind it your grind on this you got your little bench grinder your lathe and that's going to spin a wheel and generally the wheels are going to be you know six or eight inches around that's a standard lathe when you get really tiny into the one inch quarter inch half inch sort of size that is when you call it engraving um, and that is where current times you're going to be looking at the glass with the wheel in between you so you would be grinding the glass away at the glass um, if you know about the Portland vase it's a vase that has um, it's, I think it's uh, I want to say it's black with white or something on it but I might have the colors wrong um and it was engraved on it. If you can imagine um, a, a, an opaque vase with a you know a, a pattern on it that is um, embossed on the surface, um, you would start with 
you know, a layer of white on the outside of your vase and then a layer of blue on the inside. Maybe the Portland vase is white and blue. And so you've got white on the outside, blue on the inside. And you carve the white away. And to leave the white as the design and then the blue as the background. And so on a vessel or on a flat surface is often... Um, how the engraving is done there's also engraving that you would do on clear glass and that you would actually sometimes look through the clear glass you hold it the other way so you have the wheel on the far side and a glass in front of you and then you're looking through the clear glass and there's like old polish and czech styles where you really just look through the glass and one um very common cold worked object is these kind of crystal crystal cut like your grandma's candy dish um, all those like fancy little sparkly candy dish looking things uh, with all the they're, they're V cuts usually that make it really sparkle because it's like that straight the straight angles are what gives you more of the sparkles um those it's all the same process that's done it's all cold working it's all cutting but it's referred to as different different kinds of like engraving or crystal cutting or lathe work um you can tell that somebody's grumpy if they are concerned about what you call it because it's all bench grinding of rock if we're really getting down to it and the bench grinder is just a tool that a person made, probably a man. Um, so you also don't need to take it too seriously. So you got this wheel. You got some glass. That's your bench grinder. That's your lathe. Usually, <clears throat> the wheel is going to turn towards you. If you can imagine a six-inch even the big wheels in a, a 10 inch felt wheel or grinding wheel um, the felt would be felt and cork are used to polish it more which is also still a kind of grinding but just a very fine grinding um, and generally now the style is that the wheel is going to turn into you so it's a vertical wheel it's coming over the top down as you face it so that when you hold the object against it it's pulling the object down towards the ground uh, and that is going to make it a little easier to look at because of the way that the if there's water as the water feeds on it's going to spray down and you can look over the top of it but the old some old styles, especially in this crystal style where you're looking through the glass, um, you're not as concerned. If you're looking over the glass, then you want the water to be going away from you. But if you're looking through the glass, you actually could have the wheel going the other way, going up into you, which is totally insane if you're holding a piece of glass to have the wheel pulling the glass up towards you if if things go haywire that glass is coming at you instead of away from you which seems really really dangerous but if you've got something enormous and you want to cut on it and you also know what you're doing then when you set the wheel on set the object onto the wheel the wheel is going to be picking the weight up as it comes toward you it's going to be supporting the weight and this is something i've only one time seen in america and heard about as an old polish and czech style um, and really just a factory style that you wouldn't um, we haven't got there yet here in america maybe someday um I learned in a in a old shed in Bellingham from an old timer who had brought all of this equipment over from the Czech and some of the wheels went the other way and so some of them had reversed and somebody just left that way. Uh, a big two foot cork 
wheel, two feet in diameter, four inches wide. And that cork was, the cork is generally going to have a pumice. And that is what is often referred to as a pre-polish. And so you get the glass to this kind of almost foggy look. And then the final move is to polish it. Um, the pre-polish uh, pumice, like it, um, it's when you set the glass up to this final stage, the pre-polish, and, and it's because that's where it's like using the number of the grit, like usually it's somewhere in the six to 800. Sometimes it's referred to as 3000. It's kind of, I think, arbitrary of what actual size that grit is, because if you actually lay all that grit out, it's hard to count how many of those are actually in a square inch. And so really what you're talking about is the look. So that's really just referred to as a pre-polish which is a little confusing, but when you understand the magic of the polishing of glass, which you're going to use a cerium oxide, cerium dioxide, or aluminum oxide, and these are a metal that has oxidized, and that oxidization, like if you imagine aluminum, the white stuff that comes on aluminum, when aluminum uh, oxidizes, when it chemically interacts with the air and becomes a new substance that white stuff that's the stuff you're going for so that magic substance and also cerium dioxide which is the is a little better it's a little more durable and i think just cerium as a metal has more magic properties but aluminum i mean we really have to go deep on aluminum because it also has some very magic properties um so the cerium slurry that you're going to use to polish glass once you've got it to a pre-polished stage then you'll use it on a felt wheel and kind of felt that you that has been maybe it's been soaked in a cerium it's impregnated with this cerium you're using a cerium and water slurry and a little bit of soap put a little bit of soap in there and that will help break the surface tension and it makes the cerium slurry really cling better to the glass rather than um, bind away from it in a kind of um, what do they call it when it's like aquaphobic or something I think that's not the right term but it's like when um, it doesn't quite want to stick to the glass when it's scared of the when water is scared of a substance um, so you make it not scared by putting some soap in there and so you've got your slurry and then when you rub that on the glass very fast with your wheels and you're spinning it around and usually at this point like oftentimes you'll have just one wheel in a shop that will do this finish move you'll just have a, a bench grinder lathe object that will be spinning a large serum wheel towards you going down and it's got the same sometimes you're painting on the serum slurry sometimes there's a little slapper jobby below it that slaps some cerium onto it you'll spin it this one the cerium you spin a little slower than all of the other wheels all the other wheels you want to spin a little faster the cerium you want to slow it down just a little bit uh, because it can be grabby and if it grabs it it can throw it at you and whack you on the head um, and so When you're doing this, this is where it gets magic because there's a polish happening. There's a there's a grinding and a rubbing that's happening that's making it polish and smooth. But to get a really good polish, it has to get a little warm. You have to get some heat in there. And there's something happening in there, some sort of chemical reaction that the heat is actually part of the process when you get a really good polish on glass 
there's a heat that happens on the surface and you can feel it. You can feel that it's a little warmer. And if you get it too warm at all, then you're going to break it. And you can spend all of this time, hours and hours and hours, and then you get to the Syrian wheel and then you get this perfect polish and then you get a little hot and then you get a bunch of chips on the surface and the whole thing cracks and tings off a little piece. There's a lot of really wonderful things that can happen right this last bit when you're just getting this perfect look. And you get, you kind of like almost like cook the cerium dioxide onto the surface and you'll see sometimes the slurry will kind of like cake on there in a way. And if you're kind of chipping it off, um, you know, you're right in that sweet spot. That's one of my favorite parts is that polish. And it's so tricky and so hard and so magic because you can get a pretty good polish without getting it hot. You can just rub on there and it gets pretty polished but there's something that happens when you get a little heat in there where it just gets a little extra spicy and something and I imagine in a, if you got into a microscopic level and this is where I'm imagining and it might not be true is that there is actually some sort of on a super microscopic molecular level there's something molten happening at that surface that's what I picture I hope you picture that too um we should do a study on that and figure out what the heck is going on in that little magic place. So we want to polish some glass. We want to make something perfect like this. Um, but first, we're going to need to grind the glass. So I wanted to get you there and to understand where we're going with this is to make some really polished, perfect glass. Um, but now we need to start with an object. And I think there's a, there's a number of different surface treatments, engraving, or there's also a, um, a surface treatment that is referred to as batuto, or sometimes enchizo. Batuto is supposedly, it's uh, battered, like a copper, or like a hammered copper, or silver, like when you repousse make your cute little copper cup and it has that little hammered look um, you can replicate that look on glass using one of these bench grinders um, and or with a round wheel or you can use a v wheel and make little incision cuts in chizo cuts um, and that surface treatment that's the same as that polish and check crystal cutting candy dish style but done in a little bit different way uh, and often done onto color um, surface rather than onto crystal clear glass. We'll get into that, but I think that first, because that's kind of advanced level um, cold working stuff, and I think the first thing we need to do is just put a flat bottom onto something. Um, we need to put a we need to have, we have a cup we have a lumpy cup that we made and we need to flatten the bottom because it doesn't sit flat because it's the first thing first cup that you've ever made and now you want to make it sit flat nice and flat we're not even going to use the punty grinder also known as bench grinder also known as a lathe um but we'll talk about that later. Punty grinding is very related to batuto cutting. So we can talk about how that will work on our next advanced cold breaking techniques podcast. Once you wake up. Um, so we've got our cup and it's the bottom's kind of weird and it's got a weird punty on it and it's sitting, I've got a little bit of a lean to it. So we want to grind it flat. And we have a flat wheel at the shop that we work at. Um, the shop that you go to every day of your life. And that flat wheel is a Let's call it, let's say it's a 16 inch wheel, okay? 
I think oftentimes they'll be they'll go up to like a 24. I'm sure there's bigger than that. Um, 24 is pretty big and pretty intense and aggressive. So maybe we'll just start on the 16. That's a little better, like a 10 or a 12 are nice and they can be really great, but 16 is a pretty standard sort of size, big enough to do something big and small enough that you can handle it and it's not going to, probably not going to hurt you. But remember, this is dangerous. This is craft and you are risking your life doing this and you're exposing yourself to great, great dangers. So if we have a 16 inch wheel, it's flat, horizontal wheel, spinning around in one direction. That 16 inch surface, really we have about an eight inch surface we're working because we really usually are just going to stay on half of it. We're not gonna cross over because the way that it's turning, one is going to the right, well, you know, the, the, the part of the wheel in front of us is going to the right and the part of the wheel in the back is going to the left if it's turning that direction. Let's just say it is. If it's turning to the right, then that would be that's going to be counterclockwise. So the wheel's going to be turning counterclockwise. And um, some wheels go in both directions. You can change directions uh, once you stop it, turn it around. Um, and so you're going to have this wheel. It's flat, spinning around. It's made out of metal solid plate of steel probably three quarter inch thick plate of steel um, standard mild steel or maybe it's a high carbon steel but probably just good old fashioned steel and in the center of this wheel is a water feed sometimes there's a water drip you can drip water from the top onto the wheel but let's say we got one that has a water feed coming out of the middle because that's a little fancier. Um, so it's got a hole in the middle of the wheel that has a water feed to it. And this is usually just going to be running water out of the faucet. And it's just going to drain out of there. And then you're going to take that water and that water if you're cold working with it's going to have some glass dust in it and so you're going to use a um, multiple layers of drains uh, to uh, get the glass dust out of their sink trap sort of thing so that you don't just dump all your glass dust down the sink down the drain or clog up all your drains. The glass dust will really, it really wants to cake up. Like if it sits in places, it can really cake. Um, if you can keep the water flowing, it doesn't. But if once the water settles, that glass can really like settle out and be kind of thick. And then it also doesn't like kick right back up because um, it's heavy enough where it can really pack in fine dust and go pack in there so let's start with a hundred grit wheel with the flat wheel so we've got a flat wheel a 16 inch flat wheel and it's got a little hole in the middle of the wheel so that the water can come out of it in the middle of the wheel and then on the center of that wheel, there's also a little spot where the middle of that wheel goes so that you can line it up when you put it onto the metal plate and it's magnetic, so it sticks to that. And you'll keep these, oh, excuse me, so, so early. Um, you'll keep these flat wheels on a metal plate, maybe on the wall. Uh, maybe a little library or maybe you just have a big sheet of metal and they all live on there magnetically stuck to the wall and so you've got a series of wheels we're going to take this through 100 200 
how about a 325, then a 600, then a pre-polish, then Syrian back. So. And so we're going to start with the 100 grit and the more aggressive one. And you put your magnetic plate on there and you turn on a little bit of water and you're going to have a little more water, progressively less water as you get to the final polish where sometimes even on the pre-polish I will turn the water down and even off there's a trick I use where I'll actually turn the water off on the pre-polish and it gets a really it's a little more aggressive and it really does a good job and then I turn the water back on and it buffs it out it's like it leaves a little bit foggier with no water but is more aggressive and so uh, the amount of water that you use on these wheels is important at first you're just going to want to start with a lot of water because you want to keep it cool and you want to keep it lubricated and you don't want it grabby because things can be grabby on the wheel and it can suck the glass right out of your hand and because it's a flat wheel and it's turning around it's going to suck it out of your hand and then bring it right back to you and punch you right in the head with it so don't let go and be really careful um, you're going to want to have ear protection eye protection and mouth protection um, a respirator is a great idea. You're going to have water and it's going to keep the dust down, but you're going to be kicking out dust. So it's always a good idea to have a respirator. I like to use, my favorite is a full face respirator that has the eye mask and the face mask and you're protecting your vision. You can see, and also you really are, there are in your eyeballs, in the corners of your eyeballs are these little, um, places where you can you can absorb vapors through your eyeballs um, if you've ever seen somebody do the trick where they blow smoke out of their eyeballs um, it's all connected within your respiratory and your sinus system so um, the full face respirator is always preferred and then you've got um the vision you've got clear vision but lately these days i just got a half face just like over the nose a mouth keeping my face shaved only approved facial hair is a mustache so you can get a good seal and your respirator and then glasses and then ear protection because things can get loud but you're also going to want to be able to listen to so maybe don't blast the music super hard at first um, and then just be careful about having music in your headphones so that you're not turning up the music too loud and damaging your ears that way also. So you can hold this cup in both hands. Um, don't hold it so much in your fingers. Hold it in your palm so that you're not putting strain on your fingers especially with all this cold water you're going to have to be careful about your fingers and your joints you can really put some hurt to your body um, and you're going to want to be careful about the way that you hold and grind the glass so that um, you don't strain your joints if you really get on your fingertips and you're really squeezing your fingertips and that cold water you're gonna just you're gonna feel it in your fingers and you're, you're gonna feel arthritic by the end of this as a young person um, so you want to be careful about that the cold can really like freeze up your joints and if you're really pushing it on your fingers, you're going to add to that strain um, in a way that can can show up in the later years um, as more serious damage, irreversible damage. 
But of course, that's what we're here for, the dangerous and the irreversible. So in your palms, holding this cup, and now you're imagining that it's turning. So if it's going towards the wheels, going towards the right, you're going to want to be slightly positioned in a way. If not, maybe if you move all the way to the right side of the wheel, then it's actually pulling it away from you. And so that imagine if the cup were to get sucked out of your hand by this wheel, that you want it to go away from you. Now, most likely it's just going to take it and throw it off of the wheel. It's actually, it's only when it's really heavy will it really spin it around and bring it back to you. Usually the light stuff just goes flying off of the wheel. I've only been punched in the head once and it was by something really heavy. Well, punched in the head by glass once. Um, And it was really heavy thing that came spinning back around. But usually when it's small stuff, it just goes tumbling off the wheel and then it just breaks or it gets ruined. Um, So here we are at the wheel. We've got it in our palms with some fingertips. Don't be scared of your fingertips. But uh, And then you're not going to want to grab it super hard. You're going to want to be gentle with your grip because you don't want to be straining your fingers you want to be really relaxed and this is part of what you're going to have to learn with cold working is you're going to have to relax as much as you want to tense up and you want to freak out and this thing's really loud and it's spinning fast and it's really hard to do you're going to have to relax because this is going to take a really long time and if you start getting stressed out now about it you're never going to make it so you got to just relax let your hands relax. You're going to want to focus on your abdominal muscles and your thighs. You're going to have to really work on your core here. You're going to want to be strong in your core and hold your core strong as you... Um, hold on, I'm just getting here to the... Palo Alto glass shop and I'm going to get out of the car get myself prepared here get my lunch get my dog get my bag with my respirator and my ears and my eyes in it earmuffs and eyes what do you I mean earmuffs is that really like they're not actually muffs I mean they are ear mufflers of sorts um so when you're cold working you're going to want to stand you're going to have to have a, a strong core and you're going to want to stand um rather than leaning over and it's a kind of, you know, lifting with your legs technique is rather than leaning over and really straining your back, you're going to want to be low with your legs, using your legs and your abs. And I find that in order to relax my back muscles that get stressed from leaning over on a cold, cold wheel um, is that I will actually focus on my abdominal muscles and pulling those in so that I'm holding myself from my abs and letting my back relax. A lot of this is like pelvic floor and kind of Kegel muscles also that you're really like, it's in your hips and that's where the strength is because if you're going all from your back and your shoulder and you're pushing, you're just going to hurt yourself. And cold working is all about hurting your body over long term. So just be careful with that. This is a very much like repetitive motion injury game. Um, and you're going to be need to be need to be careful with your body here. You're young and you want to do this for a long time. Um, bag here is zipped up. Oh my god, my shoulders. Speaking of being in pain. 
Okay, so we're going to get our backpack on. We're going to get our little lunch kit. Delicious tuna and rice. Hey, dog. Um, I got some glasses on my head so I will protect my eyeballs. Got my tights on because it's outside glass blowing. It's California. They do this shit outside here. Um, so I gotta stay warm. I've been keeping tights in my bag kit so that when I have to be outside or in the cold shop, I got I got tights. Come on, Chief. You're looking old, too. So, all right. We're walking in the hot shop. I think we can finish talking about this cold working stuff, right? How are you doing? You're still awake. Um, so, now that we've got our core focused and we're really centered here, and we're thinking about... Um, Come on, Chief how we might be able to stand. We're going to take this cup. Well, first we got to turn on the machine. So we're going to turn it on, and it's going to start spinning around. It's got water feed in there, and it's spinning around. And then we're going to take this cup, and we're going to gently set it down onto the wheel to start grinding the surface flat. Your entrance and your exit onto a wheel are really important. So this is also part of your core, is that you're going to want to hold your core strong so that when you enter that wheel, you do so in a really smooth and even and gentle way. And same with the exit, that you are able to get off of the wheel in a smooth way. Um, if ever I'm going to make a mistake and put a weird spot on it, it's going to be on the, at the entrance or exit, um, of the, of the cold working process. As I come into the wheel or as I leave the wheel, you're going to take extra care to come straight in and straight out, aligning with the surface that you're trying to create on that piece of glass so since we're making a flat bottom on this cut we're going to want to use both hands and come down evenly and touch right how we want the position and then slowly bring a little bit of pressure in letting the weight in there as we listen to the wheel and bring that cup down in there onto the wheel as we position our body we've got strong feet we're really our core is strong and we're not straining or leaning over the wheel we're not putting too much weight onto the wheel we're letting the wheel do the work here grinding the glass for us we're not going to push too hard okay here we are at the gate gotta get the secret code entered this here i think that's the secret code did i get it oh fuck supposed to do this. That's right. There's the secret. Ah, jeez Louise. Such an old guy. Okay, let's try again, Chief. What the heck? It seems so easy, Chief. Once upon a time. 
give water. Just hold on a second. Okay. I don't know why that has to be harder. Come on, Chief. Why it has to be harder than it needs to be. But, you know, in fact, that's just the nature of everything these days. Just a little bit harder than it needs to be. Just like cold working. I promise you, this is going to be harder than you ever thought it would be. It's going to be harder than it needs to be. You know, they do have machines to do this for you. So you don't need to do this yourself. But that's what you're here for. You're here to do it yourself. So you're entering and exiting this wheel smoothly. Um, you're going to bring it down onto this wheel really carefully to grind that and you're listening because if something's going to go haywire you're going to hear it first okay so if you're cold working and it's all going okay um it's going to sound just a nice, normal, smooth sound. But if something's going weird, it's going to start, it's going to give you a warning sound first. Get on, I got this glory. Lower on. Gas, gas, blower, curb bluey. We got ignition. Double check, make sure this thing is really on fire. We got fire in there, fire in the hole. Um, if something's gonna go weird, it's gonna start like making a crazy noise first. This one's gonna take two hits. Kind of get this glory hole. This one's got a little thermocouple on it that you gotta heat, like a little, um, like on your furnace at home. A little pilot light thermocouple job. that sends a microamp signal to a solenoid keep the gas on so it's extra safe safety first and if you're being safe in the cold working you could be listening it's gonna make a high-pitched screech at you now usually this is only gonna happen when you've got a big vessel that you're trying to do the lip and cold with the lip or something um, that's when you're gonna hear these noises but if it's like digging in weird and you're doing something wrong, it's also going to, um, it's going to show you, it's going to show you. Okay, there we go. We got a kneeler coming up. Yeah, glory holes on. A neither box. We're doing good. We're doing all right. It's gonna show you, it's gonna tell you with noise that you're doing it wrong. Um, if you're going off onto the edge of your cup and you're not getting a good flat grind, you're gonna be able to hear it. So listening and using your ears when you're cold work is really important. Um, if you're like, if you have a big bowl and you want to grind the lip edge, that's when you're gonna hear the crazy sound. Like, if it's going good, it's gonna just be really loud. But if it's going bad and you're about, about to blow up on you, then it's gonna make a really crazy sound. You're gonna hear that noise right before it grabs and goes flying off the wheel or blows up on you. So listen and be careful. And so now you've got your cup and you're grinding it and you're moving 
back and forth carefully on the wheel so that you're not just sitting in the middle of the wheel, but you're evenly moving across the uh, side of the wheel or the front of the wheel in front of you so that so you're not dishing out or wearing just the center of that wheel, but you're also you're evenly wearing the whole wheel. Um, that's important. That's crucial. And then... Um, you're going to move to the 200. And you're going to do the same thing with the 200 wheel. Carefully grinding the wheel. And then you move to the 325. And to... The... 600, we're just going to skip from 325 to 600 to pre-polish. And as you move up in these wheels, that's where you're going to get the change. And you're going to be turning the water down a little bit and you're going to be listening to the noise. And that's where it's going to start being a more grabby up into these, into the 600 and pre-polish. And that's where you're going to have to be more careful and more cautious is thinking about your entrance and your exit. Like if you make a bad entrance on the pre-polish, that's where it could grab. If you come down and you're the leading edge, the part that is on, like if the wheel's turning counterclockwise, the part that's on the right side is going to be your leading edge the part that's on the far side of the grind the beginning edge the beginning edge is going to want to grab more where the leading edge the part the further part away is where you want to really like that's where you want to kind of be aiming towards getting down first you're trying to go perfectly flat but maybe you're leaning just a little bit to the right and just so that your leading edge is touching down first because you don't want to go with that. You don't want to put in that, the beginning edge and have it go because that's where it will grab if you come in with that, um, the start there. So be careful with that. Um, that's your, your grab point there. And, then in, and you get into those pre-polish and into the, especially into the polish. That's where you got to be more careful with that. Um, sorry if I'm a little distracted here. I'm just emptying, the, em, emptying this annealer, and these pumpkins are just incredible. I had this technique, this mind-blowing, this crazy, crizzled, powdery, crackled pumpkins. Ugh, I can't wait for a fall. This is so exciting. I can't believe these pumpkins are so cool. How do they do that? How do they make all these magic pumpkins? So now we're getting this thing all pre-polished. Now we want to get to the polish. Get that slurry. Get a little soap in your slurry. And you're really going to rub that thing smooth. But you're going to be careful because it's going to want to grab. So you're going to be really careful with this. And you just spent hours grinding flat this cup that you made it's taking 10 times longer than you thought it would way longer than any cup you've ever made took to make now you have to grind it flat this way and if you're any kind of beginner cold worker probably on that hundred wheel where you're trying to make it flat you didn't actually make it flat you made it like multiple facets there and so you had to go back and grind it flat again and it was really hard to do way harder than you thought it would be um, and then you finally got it pre-polished and you notice it still wasn't even perfect. And then when you get to that pre-polish, that's when you can really inspect and look and see if there's any scratches and scuffs. And of course there's going to be weird scratches in there from your 200 wheel, your 325, got some weird stuff on it. So 
then you could go back to that 200 wheel if you're crazy and clean it back up. Um, but hopefully you're not that crazy and you just like what you got. You polish it and then you're like, wow, that's really nice. I did a great job. Cold looking. I think you did a great job too. Um, so maybe next time we can talk about some more advanced technique, which are all just kind of the same techniques, but it's just like getting more into the subtlety and how you're looking at it and, and the approach and which wheel and what you're going for. You know, at the end of it is like the fancy stuff is just like how careful are you looking? Um, bright lights, using different kind of markers or paint or grease pens on the surface so that you can see when you're getting scratches and when you're removing scratches and when you're leaving scratches behind. Um, those might be some things that you're going to think about. Well, thank you again for joining me on another journey here. I'm glad that we were able to do this together. Cold working. It's really fun. I really enjoy it. Glad that you enjoy it. Um, and we'll, I'll be back soon. Talk to you about something else that is really exciting. So I'm going to get to work here. Thanks for joining me. Um, love you lots. Just send a message. Bye for now.